This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. Back in April, when the coronavirus pandemic was still in its early stages, I spoke to three makers and manufacturers to hear how they were weathering the disruption. Six months later, much has changed, and I wanted to check in again to find out how they had weathered an unprecedented time and what lessons they'll be carrying forward into the future. Later in the show, I'll be talking to Jonathan Glatt of handmade furniture company ONG Studio, and Andrew Crone of North Carolina furniture maker Chaddock. But we're starting this episode with Sarah Frisch, president of the Oregon-based lighting and lifestyle brand Schoolhouse. I chatted with Sarah about how despite a boom in the residential side of her business, she's still thinking lean. This podcast is brought to you by Resource Furniture, the original and largest source of luxury, multifunctional, and space-saving furniture in North America. For more than 20 years, designers, architects, and savvy consumers have looked to Resource to add form, function, and quality to every space, large or small, residential or commercial. Remote working and learning are here to stay, So create the flexible, functional, and comfortable home everyone needs right now with Italian wall-made beds, transforming tables, innovative storage solutions, and more. Visit resourcefurniture.com forward slash work from home to learn how. This podcast is also sponsored by Universal Furniture. Designers already rely on Universal's incredible selection. Now they can take advantage of an all-new special upholstery program. It's bench-made upholstery, crafted in North Carolina, available in just six to eight weeks. With more than 400 fabrics, 50 leathers, and 200 frames, the creative possibilities are limitless. And online tools allow you to create visualizations to share with clients. As always, designers receive special perks working with Universal. There's no order minimum, free shipping, online ordering, and dedicated custom support through the design line. Save 20% off your first order of $2,000 or more by using the code TRADEFALL20. That's TRADEFALL20 at universalfurniture.com. And now, on with the show. Six months ago, Sarah Fritsch was taking a conservative approach, paring down expenses so that Schoolhouse could stay laser-focused on its core mission and nothing else. Now the residential side of her business is taking off but Sarah is still taking a lean approach. We spoke about a challenging year for her company's home city of Portland, Oregon, how the shutdowns have made Schoolhouse more efficient, and why she thinks retail will be back. When when last we, we spoke in April, you were very much sort of hunkering down, all of us in the sort of early days of trying to understand what this was going to mean and you had you had furloughed or or let go of uh, of a number of people at the time and i know you were aggressively prioritizing expenses with an eye towards survival i'm wondering how things have unfolded for you since yeah i'd say that is still the case um we i mean we've been doing really well since then i think that what i shared with you let's see was that april gosh Feels like feels so long ago. Twenty twenty is such a humbling reminder of uh, so many things. Um, 
yeah, what I shared with you then still holds. So we have continued to be pretty assertive in our in our management of the COVID situation, uh, vigilant with regard to obviously safety protocol, et cetera, but also conservative with the business, keeping expenses low, uh, minimizing our spending, et cetera. And I think as I shared when we last spoke, I, I know we'll survive this. We are surviving it and parts of the business are even thriving, but you know, it it requires active management every day. Well, so I'm I'm curious as to what parts of the business are thriving, and 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 sort of what people have been asking you for during this during this time. Yeah, from the from the get go, we have noticed demand is there. Uh, people are spending time at home, and they're thinking about home and what home means to them, and that is good for a business that's well positioned in the home space. Uh, you know, we projected the year, probably last year at this time, we started making the plans for 2020 and we had some forecasts of how each category would perform year over year. And those have not panned out to be entirely accurate. There's been some great surprises in there. Uh, certain categories, textiles, as an example, are up much higher than anyone could have forecasted. It just seems like anything soft or cozy, comforting, you know, things like pillows, rugs, duvets sheets, throws, coverlets, et cetera. Uh, though that, that segment of our business is really, really thriving right now beyond what we could have forecasted. Where other segments are also up, lighting is our core business. Lighting is also up relative to last year, but probably not up or definitely not up as drastically as we would have thought it would be at this time. And what do you attribute that to? What, what, what does that make you think? Well, you know, we have different customer types, different segments. So we have residential customers and we have commercial customers and our residential business is is up significantly. So people at home buying lights, that's still very much happening and happening above probably what we could have projected. But it's the commercial business where we see we're not up quite as high as we would have thought we would be at this point. So, you know, big hotels, restaurants, for obvious reasons, uh, they're not doing the business we thought they would do in 2020 with us. And and what are they saying to you? What what has the communication been from the commercial side of your business? Uh, there's still interest for sure. And things are still moving, just not at the pace we would have thought. So a lot of things have been punted into 2021. Definitely, we have a lot of open quotes just waiting to pull the trigger. But they haven't gotten the go-ahead to pull the trigger for various reasons, mostly COVID-related. It it sounds as if you're you're still feeling very conservative in in how you're thinking about where all of this is is going. Uh, I think we're conservative. That's true. We are being conservative, uh, but like I said, I think demand is definitely still there. I just think. We're a little gun shy. We don't know what's around the corner. We, we were starting to get some great traction and, uh, you know, and then the fires hit on the West Coast. So we lost a week. We keep saying we, we just don't know what's around the corner at this moment. Uh, so staying focused and, and clued in on what our core business is and uh, not losing sight of that continues to be a priority. Uh, you know, whereas historically, we would have put a lot more focus on growth, top line growth, and that's still very important for us. And we're seeing really nice top line growth. 
but it's not our priority at this moment. At this moment, we're really focused on business health and hanging on to, you know, cash, thinking about profitability as critical to our survival, as opposed to um, as growth being, you know, the number one indicator. It's really uh, profitability and, and business health. Well, and we should point out for listeners who who might not remember from when last we spoke, your you're in Portland, and uh, so in, in addition to all of the the COVID challenges of 2020, uh, as you say, you've had wildfires and uh, civic unrest, and, uh, and and quite a few issues to 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 deal with. Uh, and and I'm wondering how it is all feeling from a sort of a from a day to day perspective. I know your your mayor, Mr. Wheeler, is is uh, feeling quite uh, quite challenged. Uh, at at this point, uh, how how is it there just to try and do business? Yeah, we're all feeling challenged and sad. Um, twenty twenty has been you know a, a humbling reminder of how little control we have over grand events that have immediate personal and business impacts. We've had the virus, we've had fires, we've had you know some great momentum on historical racial justice movement. Uh, but the scale and magnitude of 2020's events, which, by the way, are still unfolding, you know, the, the <laughs> virus is still here. The, the fires are still a threat. Uh, the, sure. ra- the racial justice movement is going every single night here in Portland. Um, so that's been some game changing things in terms of perspective, learning, awareness, humility. Uh, there's there's a lot wrapped into that. It's, it's a tough time to to be in Portland and in the world. And it's a tough time to be doing business. I'd like to get through COVID uh, and we are, we're reinvesting much more than when, when you and I last talked, I think last we talked, we were really focused on critical path. So we were, yes. Hey, we want to sell things. We want to make those things. We want to ship those things and anything that wasn't contributing directly to that. We just were not doing uh, that's changed. We're investing in our website at this moment in, in big ways. We've hired uh, some talent for lighting design, which is exciting. And we're back into design and development again. That was on pause for a moment. Uh, so there's a lot of things to indicate, oh, we're absolutely betting on ourselves for the future. Um, but at this time, we're also still, you know, we're, we're mid-pandemic. We don't know. Portland's in an in a interesting spot. So we need to stay tuned in to the news and the science and the election even to know, um, you know, what to what to forecast going forward. But as we plan 2021, we're aiming for growth for sure. We want to we want to be back on track and uh, and keep this thing going. So when you when you talk about investing in the in the website, for example, tell me what that means. What what kind of investments are you making? What are you what are you trying to to add to your capabilities that you that you don't have now, perhaps? Uh, you know, we've hired some new team members, so we've re- we've reorganized that part of the business, which is exciting. We're really focused on user experience and making sure that. Uh, customers that come to our website not only get inspiring, beautiful imagery and content, but that they can efficiently shop and get what they need. And a lot of our business is made to order. And so, well, we do a pretty good job of getting it right the first time. It, at this point, with no stores or other channels, it's really all on the web to help you navigate some of those what can be complicated purchases. We want to simplify that and make it really clean and obvious shopping experience. So it's very, very user experience focused in our investments. I'm curious about the the kinds of things that you've shifted to doing during COVID that that you 
imagine you will incorporate into your process forevermore and and this this working to to make custom possible through e-commerce i I, i'm i'm guessing is sort of one of those areas but 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 tell me things that you've that you've had to sort of put in place that you that you think this is going to be with us forever regardless of of when we come out of of covid I think so much of our digital transformation internally is here to stay. And I think that's a great thing for people. We always encourage people to bring their whole true self to work. And I think that the way that we've been operating through COVID has shown us even better and more efficient ways to set everybody up for success in that way. People have a life outside of this building and inside this building and giving them the flexibility to, uh, to manage that whole full life and get the work done. I think COVID has shown me as the leader that there's a lot of opportunity uh, to hang on to some of these changes going forward, which I think is a win for everybody personally and professionally. Uh, Business-wise, I think it'll be interesting to see post-COVID how the how the division of our sales changes, if, if it changes. You know, right now I shared people like things that are soft and cozy and textiles are trending in a good way. Um, I would like to think post-COVID we get back to commercial sales being a bigger part of our business again. I can't wait to see that that pick up again, and I, I, I know that it will. Um, I think post-COVID maybe... Um, stores you know come back maybe we start printing again catalogs someday uh things like that i could see just changing back or shifting the business might shift um but i think investing in the web as we're doing right now is a smart step forward because that will serve us into the future regardless you talked earlier about sort of this this lesson in humility that we're all getting uh, as a result of what 2020 has has been like for for all of us, I'm I'm wondering, and, and honestly, this could be a, a, as much personal as as professional. What what else you've you've really learned during this time, perhaps about yourself and your your leadership and management, or or even just sort of how how it's kind of altered your your thinking. I'm 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 curious as to how you've been changed by all of this. Yeah, that's a great question. I've been thinking a lot about if there's ever another global pandemic, I think I would love to not be leading uh, a retail brand or a factory. Uh, But that said, I am all in this time around. I love it. I feel like the world needs leaders right now. And I feel really competent and capable in terms of my leadership skill set. And it's been a joy to lead through such a crazy year. Um, I think we're all adding crisis management to our resumes uh, if we survive 2020. And it's been, you know, there's been so much to learn from what this year has been teaching us. And I want to um, I want to be doing that. I am doing that, learning every single day. And that's that's been great. Um, yeah, personally, I think 2020 has snapped a lot into focus. I don't know that I could go back to the pace that my family and I kept up pre-COVID. You know, we've got two very active kids, two big careers. There's a lot going on. And it COVID gave us a chance to just recalibrate what matters. It's been really nice the days when I'm working from home, we all eat lunch together and what a gift, you know, and I know that that's fleeting because those kids will go back to school and my husband will get back to his office. 
But in this moment, uh, we are savoring the opportunity to spend time together. And we know that that's what matters. And we know that it's it's a gift of 2020. So I'm, I'm not taking any of that for granted. Does this time make you wish you had a different financial structure? You've talked a lot in the past about the fact that it's a, it's a family-owned business and that there isn't VC money behind it or big investors. Do you wish... Do you wish you had had that during this time? Do you wish, do you wish you were pursuing that coming out of this time to maybe grow in a in a more aggressive way? That's a thoughtful question. Um, I think COVID or no COVID. Uh, I mean, this business model—it's not an apology. It's a, it's a, it, to our employees or to our customers. It's deliberate. It's a strategy. There are real constraints, and those constraints. Uh, they are, we, we make them exciting. I think, um, you know, we can't actively keep up with competition or with what's going on in the market in terms of the pace of, uh, like promotional activity, that kind of thing. If we tried to keep up with that, it would be a race to the bottom for us, but we have found ways to exist within our means. We're kind of playing our own sport, charting our own course. Um, and you know, honoring the model and its constraints versus resisting them is working really well for us. I think this brand has a big, bright future. And I think uh, for that to be fulfilled, you know, maybe the financial model someday needs to change. But in this moment, we're leaning into to what it is and honoring what it was intended to be. And there's a lot of exciting uh, potential within those constraints. So, uh, you know, having a year as successful as we're having right now only means that next year, you know, we'll continue to get to build on that. And I think that's refreshing. You know, I think if there's, there's a lot of unicorns out there. And I think this is more like a workhorse. And I think 2020 and COVID is is teaching people that, you know, businesses should have to be self sustaining, they should have to support themselves. It, it's about more than just growth. Um, I think 2020 and COVID has shown, you know, these jobs matter, keeping these jobs matter, bringing people back, we did do layoffs, we did do furloughs, but we were able to bring a good percentage of those people back. And that, uh, that really brings me joy and purpose in terms of what I'm doing here. It's so much bigger than interior design. You know, there's so much more to it. Yeah, you were able to to bring, uh, I, I don't know how many people you were able to bring back. You, you had furloughed a, a good number of people early on. Uh, it sounds like you were able to bring some people back, not everyone yet. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, we furloughed and laid off a, a handful back in March, and I'd say about Maybe 30, 35% of those folks are back. Additionally, we have identified opportunities for new hires, which has been great. So in new dimensions, we've never had an IT director before, and now we do. We have a new e-commerce manager. We have a new lighting designer who's about to start. Uh, so there's some exciting growth happening beyond even where we were pre-COVID. Well, that's that's exciting to hear. And, and do you imagine that the store will have to reopen and and that some other things will need to fall into place before you can can bring back the the, the rest of the the people yeah it's a it's uh yes and i would say we found some efficiencies which uh which we're really liking to be honest you know we found other ways of doing things with a new it director i think we're uncovering a lot of efficiencies within our existing systems where maybe that used to be manual work it doesn't need to be uh, so, you know, I would like the people of this business to do 
what only the people of the business can do. So if there's a system or tool that can be doing it, I would prefer that for obvious reasons so that we can elevate the contribution of our teams uh, creatively and operationally. And I think that IT is unlocking a lot of that for us, which is great. Um, I would well, say- Well, so tell me what that means exactly. So so help me understand that a little bit better. Well, we have, uh, we have kind of best in breed systems in terms of our ERP system, our web platform, uh, our customer relationship management tools. You know, we, we're running Shopify, we're running SAP, we're running Salesforce.com. The integrations between those systems are where sometimes we rely, you know, more than we should on some manual manual interference and with good strong IT vision and direction I think that we can have those systems you know play really nicely together more efficiently and rely less on manual processes between them and also just optimizing those systems that we have the capability of those systems could lead this business for the next 10 plus years because you know we're still growing into all of those it's like buying your kids soccer shoes a little bit too big and then they get to wear them <laughs> for a few seasons right so uh, you know, we're just scratching the surface of, the, of our potential within the systems we're already invested in. And so I think with strong uh, people, process, tools combining, you know, we can grow into those systems more efficiently. And, and ultimately, the, the, the efficiencies might mean that you don't need quite, quite as big a headcount as you might have had before. Exactly, exactly. I mean, and th- even though we've we've lowered headcount mostly in our operations, we're still meeting customer demand. Uh, you know, I'd say, I, well, I wouldn't say, I know, uh, 95% <laughs> of the time in Q2, which was our craziest quarter, right? That's when we let everybody go and we started to rehire and COVID was, you know, peak scary. Uh, we were 95% on time with our deliveries to customers. In Q3, we dropped a little bit and that was largely due to fires. So those West Coast fires really took us out. Portland was a scary place to be for about a week and a half. A lot of our employees were impacted by that. We had over 20 employees that were in the zone of um, potential uh, relocation needed. Several of them had to actually relocate. So we needed to support them through that. And the air quality in Portland for that week was so bad that people couldn't leave their home. So we didn't open the factory for a week. That was a real wake up call for us Mm. about what happens when your website is up and running and thriving and your operations are closed for business. So in Q3, we dropped a little bit in terms of our on-time delivery, but we rebounded nicely. We're back up, you know, we'll be into the 90s. We're in the 90s again, and we'll stay there through Q4 barring, you know, whatever else 2020 brings brings our way. But just uh, sit tight. Something else is coming soon, I'm sure. Knock on wood. But (laughs) all that to say, hey, you know, we really uh, found efficiencies. We, We were forced to and we did. And I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of the team and their ability to meet customer expectations, uh, you know, with less less resources. And has the has the trade side of your business, we talked about the commercial side sort of uh, slowing down a bit, understandably, because people aren't working on hotels and restaurant projects in the same way. But as far as the, the designer driven part of your business, has that expanded during this time or... or- Tell me where yes. it is. Re- residential, whether it's through trade, you know, with a designer or just direct to consumer. I mean, it's all direct to consumer, but direct to a homeowner. Uh, the residential business is is thriving for sure. Yes, we're seeing a lot of a lot of demand there, a lot of interest, a lot of new customers finding us, which is exciting. And we, you know, we want to welcome them and give them a great experience. And I think uh, I know that uh, our team is able to do that, which makes me really proud. Yeah, residential is is where it's at right now for sure. 
And and do you think are are you one of the people that that thinks that this is sort of a, a a golden age, so to speak, for for residential home related companies? And and do you think we've got sort of a a multi year tailwind behind behind home with with everything that we've seen as a result of shift in spending and thinking during COVID? I don't think so. I mean, the beautiful thing about having such a tiny sliver of the market share, which is what our business is at this moment, is that even if the overall industry did decline, we're still going to be betting on ourselves to grow and grow and grow. But I think the home industry will have more to compete with post-COVID. I think that people will want to travel again, etc. Even with that, I think the home industry, though, will have 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 a bright future. I think people have rethought what home means to them, what it could be, what it needs to be, why it matters. And I think 2021, 2022, it's just going to build on those learnings. I'd bet on all of us for seeing the business redistribute itself, like I talked about earlier, maybe with some more diversity in terms of attribution for growth and success. So we would, you know, attribute growth and success maybe to different channels in the future. I'd love to see brick and mortar come back. Um, I'd love to see that commercial business rebound, but I think the all in all, the, the business will be up for sure as we go into the future and build on what we learned in 2020. I think you asked me at one point if I thought there would be a hangover, uh, (laughs) if, if there would be a hangover and I feel, I think of a hangover as after a big party. So if 2020 was a big party, it's literally the worst party I have ever, (laughs) ever been to. Uh, it's a bad party and I can't speak for the entire industry, but I'll go on record and say schoolhouse. We are definitely focusing on the continuation of this upswing. I, I think the future is very bright. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm, I'm eager to come to Portland and to, and to visit you. So I want want things to, to stabilize a great deal more where you are before I before I can make that trip. But I, I hope it won't be too deep into 2021 before I can come and visit. Dennis, we can't wait to have you. We can't wait to have you. <laughs> well, it will be it will be a happy day indeed. Sarah, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's always fun to, to chat with you, Dennis. Thanks. We're taking a quick break to remind you to register for the Resource Furniture Designer Resource Program. As a committed partner to the trade for more than 20 years, the highly experienced staff in each of their eight showrooms across North America brings a wealth of space-saving expertise to each and every project. Registered members of the Designer Resource Program enjoy benefits such as special discounts on their one-of-a-kind product collection, a dedicated project manager, rendering services, a referral program with accumulating rewards, and more. Visit resourcefurniture.com forward slash resource trade program and register today. And now, back to the show. Jonathan Glatt is the founder of Rhode Island furniture company ONG Studio, one of the country's largest producers of handmade Windsor chairs. Back in April, he had shut down his production facility and was looking to make the best of an uncertain time. Now his shop is open again, and ONG is experiencing a surge of orders caused by the nationwide focus on home. Jonathan and I spoke about how this time has helped his team bond, what kind of furniture is popular right now, and why he's cautiously optimistic about the future. So, so Jonathan, you and I last spoke in in mid-April, roughly, and we were very, all of us, early on in this COVID process. And at the time, if I recall, you had 
sent everyone home and you weren't coming into New York for the AD home show and you were in the sort of early stages of figuring out how you were going to keep the business functioning. I'm, I'm wondering how things have been going for you these past six or seven months and, and how the situation has evolved for you since we last spoke. You know, most notably, when we last spoke, we were in a holding pattern, but we weren't sure what we were holding for. And I think, <laughs> you know, to a certain extent, that's still true. There, you know, there's certainly enough things on the horizon and enough uncertainty that none of us know exactly what we're in for. But I think, you know, what we've seen is that we are able to function in a new way. Um, and we've been able to kind of see the landscape of what's in front of us and and shift. And so, number one thing is we were able to uh, reopen production, which was which was huge. Um, obviously, to put everybody back to work. And if we had been closed a whole lot longer, I think you know a, a backlog becomes very insurmountable. And if the backlog becomes too big, it's just not the right thing to do to keep taking new orders that you really have no idea on when you'll be able to fill. We so were, when were you able to reopen, Jonathan? We closed on, I believe it was March 16th. And then uh, at that eight-week mark, we brought in a skeleton crew for the shop to basically ready the shop for, for bringing back the rest of the team, just to see kind of you know, what, it, what it felt like to be working again, knock the dust off machines, uh, you know, shops and equipment. They don't like to sit idle. So just because something worked when you left it doesn't mean it works now eight weeks later. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, housekeeping and then planning for how we were going to work with this, you know, with this sort of new reality. And so we moved to this system of, you know, really direct focused tasks. And I think with everybody, um, myself, employees, everybody's kind of head spinning. Uh, it felt like um, not only would it be productive, but it, it felt like a good thing to do um, just psychologically for the employees to not be thinking all across the shop. You're here. We're not supposed to be interacting with each other as much. We're giving each other our space. So to give them the time to just think about the one thing in front of them, because everybody was thinking about so many things. So uh, that worked really well for us. And we were able to bring the team back incrementally and work through the backlog. You know, in a lot of ways, it was uh, you know, painful, but actually uh, you know, an exciting and productive sort of motivator for, for us to step back and reevaluate and you know, set the stage to, you know, number one was stay afloat, right? And if we could stay afloat, sure. like, can we yeah. do things a little better? And if we can do things better, you know, now we can start to think about the future a little bit long term. So um, it's been difficult well, I, and it's been stressful, yeah. but I cannot, <laughs> I can't say it's been all bad. Well, I, I'm, I'm wondering for you personally, when you, when you came back in, and I'm, and as you were just saying, things might be covered with dust. You're not even sure everything is is working as it as it had been. How did it feel for you personally? Uh, that's a great question. I think, you know, part of me having almost worked for myself, uh, you know, worked for myself almost entirely my professional life, there were parts of this that weren't as stressful because I think, you know, when you work for yourself, 
your baseline assumption is everything's going to go to hell tomorrow all the time. <laughs> Good times, bad times. So, so I, I don't think that I was um, as stressed as maybe uh, I thought I might be, or as maybe some friends, colleagues may have thought I should be. But, but at the same time, you know, everything is closed and sort of interminable. And we're, we're large enough now that it's not as simple as like, okay, well, you know, I'll go home and this is my own personal shop and I'll just start back up and deal with it. Um, you know, I have the, the uh, expectations of my clients and then the, you know, livelihoods and safety of my employees. So there's a lot to think about. And I think, you know, when you yeah. go into a office, a factory, uh, anywhere, and especially I think it's really in focus in factories because there's all this equipment, there's all this special stuff. And you look at it and you think like you think of all the things that can be done here. But when they're quiet, what you realize is that no matter how many tools, no matter how much is on paper, uh, you know, these places really are about the people and they really are about the team. I think, you know, coming through this all together and realizing there's a shared goal uh, really deepen the trust. And when you trust people, you can speak more openly and communicate more openly. And, you know, we just had a conversation the other day where somebody said, you know, like before when somebody said, you know, like, hey, that, that what you did there, that didn't turn out great. What I heard was you're a terrible person. And they're <laughs> like, what I realized now is that like, no, that's just an objective observation. And we're all trying to, you know, we're all trying to do better. There was this kind of, um, you know, clarity in the in the value of relationship and perspective on communication uh, that, you know, that really, that really kind of brought everybody together. And, and that giant backlog that we were staring at, when we got back, I mean, we thought we were never going to get through it. Um, and, and we did. And I think, you know, stopping and reflecting on the successes, whether they're small or big, and the majority of them are small, um, was something we emphasized. That's that's great to hear. So so let's talk about this backlog a little bit. So you you get back, and had you been continuing to to take orders from people while the the shop had been closed, and or how were you sort of communicating what was going on, and and how big was the backlog when mm-hmm. you got back? We had a, a backlog of um, you know just shy of of three hundred pieces, um, and this is all handmade furniture so it's a tremendous amount of work um in different stages and the majority of them were right before uh finishing it was a lot it was it was a lot for sure but uh slowly we just started to you know see the backlog disappear and um you know we're we're well beyond the backlog now but what we've experienced is um, this is an ongoing situation. And while it's not a shutdown, uh, you know, we have to take precautions. So when somebody has, uh, you know, certain symptoms that may align with, uh, you know, with a potential positive uh, COVID uh, test, or if they're with somebody who they come to find out had uh, tested positive, they have to stay home and get tested and can't return to work until their test results come in. And, uh, and we've been lucky. We haven't had any positives, but just with the nature of handwork, it's not easy to just fill a hole quickly. There's a lot of training and skill and time that goes into, uh, into learning, you know, the different stages of production. You know, I think the delays that we are experiencing now and our typical lead time, uh, before it was eight to 10 weeks, which we were uh, really um, 
on top of for a long time. And now we're at, we're at 12 weeks. And, you know, when these uh, absences come up and the person who specializes in doing the difficult step on that piece, you know, things can fall behind, but um, we've been working through it and, and we have had a lot of cross training to just sort of brace ourselves for, uh, you know, for what's happening. But there are weeks where all of a sudden you come in and there's a significant number of people are sitting home waiting on a test result. I think we've realized that um, too much detailed planning is wasted energy right now. Because when you say, okay, this is the order of events, and this is my team that's going to do that tomorrow. And in the morning, someone calls and says, you know, my sister, um, my sister, thinks she has COVID. She was with somebody and I have been feeling good. Well, that plan is up in smoke. So our planning is, you know, um, we have the abstract idea and we're kind of monitoring all the time what exactly is happening, but we're not putting a lot of energy towards detailed scheduling and planning because uh, it's just upended too quickly. So during the time that you were forced to be to be closed, did you go through the PPP loan process, and and was that a was that a help to you? Um, yes, we did, and uh, you know, it was lucky the uh, the bank that we were working with was uh, you know very easy to work with, and we were able to qualify for a PPP loan, and I think that you know that was a um, a large part of being able to keep the team the team intact while we were closed and then for those you know first few weeks back it's difficult for a small business to pay for time that's not productive we were going ahead and we were kind of assuming you know you know through our own luck ingenuity or hopefully the ppp we would be able to you know kind of come out on the other side and you know not have it uh not have it be the thing that that sank us, but it was definitely, it was a little tenuous for a bit there, to be honest, but. Um, <laughs> to be sure. And and do you get a sense that, that many of your fellow manufacturers also benefited from the program? I mean, is there a sense that, that it was a success and it was a, a meaningful help for, for companies like yours? Some, I think, would not be here without it and others would be in a much more difficult spot without it. And, you know, I think that we were probably more in the latter where, uh, you know, we would still be here, but I think, I think we, it would have been very difficult to manage that backlog, you know, keep that skilled team in place and sort of, you know, re, um, you know, reorganize around this new reality, I think would have been difficult without it. Well, it, it, it's interesting because when, when last you and I spoke, some businesses were experiencing, customers being concerned about their financial well-being to your, to the point that you were making about some companies were in a in a better position to ride this out than than others and certainly it seems the PPP loans perhaps helped to keep many in the in the game but it also seems as if it wasn't long perhaps after your return and you can tell me conditions started to dramatically improve or, or at least improve somewhat uh, on the demand side of the of the business as surprisingly we we saw so much demand from clients leading to demand from designers for for product so help me understand the timeline for for you of when hopefully you started to experience that uh, that that positive growth 
it was uh, June we started to see people kind of wake up a little bit um, in terms of activity around, you know, the type of normal buying cycle that we see. Uh, we had uh, introduced uh, over the last year and a half um, some uh, hardware, uh, you know, kitchen cabinet hardware and lighting. And we had also, um, we had built some stock that could be bought directly, which is typically not something that we've done in the past because we consider ourselves a made to order uh, company. So we were seeing, um, we were seeing orders for those type of pieces, which luckily for us, especially with the hardware and lighting were things that we were able to fulfill while production was closed. Um, we were seeing orders for those really strong the whole way through. And, you know, basically I, I live a few blocks. We're in a small town on Narragansett Bay in an old fishing village and the factories in an old mill. So we would get hardware orders and I would, I would run over and, you know, do the finishing and packaging of the hardware orders. And, <laughs> um, and we had really actually really strong demand for those items. But the normal buying process with the furniture started to pick up around June and then July sort of took off like a rocket. And I think, you know, we're just lucky as an industry that what's happening right now is focusing people to, you know, towards their home, which creates demand for, you know, for us and for our uh, interior design clients. And I think a unique side effect of what's going on is not only are people thinking about home, uh, people are thinking about large homes again, which is, was not the case for a long yes. time. And, yes. you know, those summer family homes, a summer home, just a family home when you have, you know, several kids and two adults who are home working from home, even for the person, you know, who lives in a studio apartment is working from home. That's confining. So I think that, that, um, that not just the demand for home, but, um, that people are thinking about, you know, having more space within their homes, more space from neighbors is a really, um, you know, kind of driving part of this demand. And, um, and, you know, we're just, I think, you know, as an industry we're we're lucky others like the restaurant industry, um, you know, it's really heartbreaking to see what's happening and it's just, um, you know, it's just the sort of the, the way the chips fell with this, uh, this crisis. It, it, it's so poignant and the, and the New York restaurant scene has just been ravaged and it's, and it's, and it's really heartbreaking. And, and those restaurants that are able to, to stay open during this time and have outdoor dining are, are, are hoping against hope that there'll be some further relief coming their way soon because it's, uh, it's starting to get a bit cooler here, and I would imagine it's getting uh, quite a bit cooler where you are. Yes. Uh, so, yes. so yes. So I'm 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 hoping that that is something is is going to happen there. But I'm but I'm wondering, as you were saying, it 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 was it was so interesting at a, at a time where much of the conventional wisdom had been leaning towards smaller homes and more manageable spaces. And as you say, suddenly, no, no, people wanted bigger homes and people needed more space. And I'm wondering what, therefore, they suddenly started asking you for. What did what were clients coming and, and asking you to, to make for them as a result of perhaps feeling a bit more expansive in their homes? Well, we've definitely seen, you know, larger um larger orders in terms of quantity of chairs and um the 
design development team whose whose main focus is working on new product they'll also do the drawings and the um and the pricing for custom dining tables and most of our dining tables are are customized to the you know the client's particular dimensions but we have seen that just like shoot through the roof and it's been very difficult for them to you know carve out the time for for the new product development and for supporting the new products that we're planning on launching this winter because so much of their time has been occupied with um you know with costing and drawings for dining tables and particularly large-scale dining tables but we just um just sent off drawings for a table yesterday uh, 216 inches which is the largest that we've done. really so i guess they have a big family they must all like each other but um <laughs> but i get the sense that it's that it's for larger family homes Okay. Well, I wondered too. I mean, it it seems as if so many families have been happily or not reunited during this time. Lots of children coming home, and and maybe some opted not to go back to university, as we were talking about a little bit earlier. There was a lot of concern, parents and students alike, about what it was going to be like to to return. Uh, so maybe big big tables because the the group's all together again, whether they like it or not. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's, that's my takeaway from it. It's it's been interesting and, um, you know, really trying to kind of get a feel for what the, you know, what the cycle is for interior designers now. In past years, uh, I think, you know, everybody uh, like us with the company kind of knows what the yearly cycle is for their particular product line. And this year, you know, for us, usually uh, we're shipping and building, you know, at peak during the sort of spring summer months, and those almost got skipped over. So I'm really interested to see what the design cycle plays out. And we're actually starting to hear from from clients who are uh, ordering things now for projects that you know they don't anticipate to come together till later into into 2020. So we're hearing people that are um, placing orders now because they're worried that delays they're seeing across the industry are going to get worse as they come into, you know, the kind of, um, you know, into the early new year when they would typically be placing these orders. So I think there's there's a lot happening in terms of just um, how people are scheduling and anticipating. Um, and while we're working hard to return to our normal eight to 10 week lead time, there are you know parts of the industry that have been more greatly impacted by you know global trade and certainly renovation and housing when materials come from all around the world. Um, you know I think people designers are anticipating delays in a, in a new way. You mentioned how challenging it is to plan right now, but do you think it's safe for you to assume that business is is likely to be pretty strong for the for at least the coming year? I, I think so. You know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. My <laughs> initial feeling here was that it was going to be a really tough winter, but uh, I was anticipating, you know, late winter, early spring to really take off. And I think we're seeing things really take off earlier than that. And I hope that it continues. I think seeing all of the housing sales, seeing, you know, how long it really is going to take everybody to kind of just whether it's emerge from or settle into this new reality, that that's going to be a while. And in that time, they're going to be home. And I'm sure a lot of people, I know I am, are looking around their house saying, this has got to be 
better. This is my world right now. And I really want to like, you know, I really want to make it the place that makes me comfortable. So I think it's going to be good. I, I hope it is. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, the housing sales and just thinking of like, okay, if somebody's moving in now, right before the holidays, it's getting cold. All the contractors are booked, can't get materials. Their projects are probably going to really start happening, you know, post New Year's. So um, I think it's going to be good. I wouldn't make any stock purchases based on what I say, but <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it will be. We, you know, we're we're planning for we're planning for for optimism, and and then we'll just take it as it comes. Well, that's great. And that, see, now this has been totally worth checking in with you, Jonathan, because we <laughs> we we've learned we've learned all of this, and and it sounds like it sounds like things are really progressing for you. I'm I'm so glad. Thank you. Thanks. It's you know always nice to talk to you and. I think, uh, you know, especially now when we're not out about as much, it's, it's great to kind of uh, listen to you and listen to your guests and get a get a sense of what's happening and not alone out here. Well, exactly. And I, I, I don't want anyone to feel alone. And I'm I'm trying to to get uh, people to to share with us the, the good things that are that are happening uh, in, in their business and in the in the world today. So I'm I'm delighted to get the chance to talk to you. And I, I appreciate you making the time. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Sens. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about Universal Furniture's new outdoor collection. Designers, now you can use Universal Furniture both indoors and out. A new 90-piece collection, in collaboration with Coastal Living, is debuting this fall, offering eclectic looks for modern and traditional spaces alike. The line features grade-A teak, cast concrete, all-weather wicker, as well as aluminum with Sunbrella fabric choices. To learn more, visit universalfurniture.com outdoor. And when you're shopping, remember, designers, you can save 20% off your first order of $2,000 or more by using the code TRADEFALL20. That's TRADEFALL20 at universalfurniture.com. And now, back to the show. Andrew Crone is the CEO of North Carolina-based furniture maker Chattic. Six months ago, we discussed the challenges of trying to launch a new collection in the midst of a pandemic. While the commercial side of Andrew's business is still slow, residential is on fire, and he's currently hiring to keep up with demand. We spoke about how he's hoping Chattic can grow in the months ahead, a new focus on digital, and why he's all in on a year-round high-point market. When last we spoke back in back in April, if you can remember, it was it was right when High Point had announced that spring market wasn't going to happen, and and we were all sort of trying to process what that was going to to mean. You especially, as you had new product introductions all all ready to go. What's been happening since then? Yeah, Dennis, I think last time we spoke, you're right. We were just trying to process and respond to the rapid changes that the COVID virus has thrown at us. And it's certainly been a difficult time and and a lot of unknowns, some we were trying to work out at that time. I think luckily for us, we service different channels of the market. So while many of our strong retail partners were forced to close, unfortunately, many of our design and, and trade partners were still sending in orders. And this was incredibly helpful to have that, that healthy backlog to come back to uh, we were forced to take about four weeks off um, due to the the uh, government-imposed shutdown. Um, it was also helpful we received some government assistance with the PPP. 
You did. And okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. And it wasn't Good. perfect, but it was fast and it was, you know, super helpful. Okay. So with this, and, and what and, and what did that what did that help you with specifically? What did that make possible for you? Because I know in the beginning it was a question of are people going to need to be furloughed for a time or or what was going to happen? What did the what did the PPP money sort of help you to do? Yeah, so for us, we were able to avoid laying any employees off long term, which was, you know, really important for us, something that we did not want to do. Uh, so it was super helpful from that perspective. And oh, good. You know, okay. now today we're super fortunate that we didn't have to because, you know, business has spiked and over the last few months, now we're trying to hire even more people. So um, it, it was helpful in that regard. Well, so 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 speaking of that, I, I'm I'm curious as to what is your order flow like these days, specifically around what what are people suddenly asking you for, and and what's what's suddenly selling, and is there is there a meaningful shift in in, in what we've seen during this sort of pandemic time? Yeah, just to kind of cover orders in general, we had uh, March and April, as you can imagine, were really challenging with incoming orders. And we just didn't ship anything in April. But we did have some level of incoming orders, which was really helpful, as I mentioned, for the backlog that we came back to. Uh, Then the business started to pick up little by little. Uh, We saw an increase in May, but it was still slow. Then June and July, we started to uh, beat our 2019 numbers. And then August and September, we have had just a significant uptick in orders. And we finished the last two months up 40% over 2019, uh, same months. Wow. And we're only one week in October, but it you know, doesn't seem to be slowing down. Um, in terms of what people are buying, you know, when we started to see a big increase in orders, it was originally uh, upholstery. You know, people seem to be refreshing their upholstery more than anything in the home. So we were seeing a big surge in those orders. And then now during the, the holiday season, as I mentioned, you know, dining tables is and uh, associated product is uh, has been doing very well for us. That, that's so interesting. And I'm I'm wondering a couple different things. One you, you mentioned earlier, and I want to circle back on it a little bit. One of the one of the challenges early on was that so much of the retail channel for your business was was forced to to close those uh, the all those all those stores all those brick and mortar stores had to close for a time and I don't know when they reopened and and what sort of impact that had on your business is 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 retail a a, a meaningful percentage of your overall business give me a give me a sense yeah I think it's historically retail has been a meaningful portion of our business. Um, we're split between retail and our design business, trade showroom business, uh, and some hospitality business. Uh, mostly hospitality is, is on the uh, country clubs and boutique hotels. Um, but you know what we saw was this really nice increase in design business. And we've been growing that portion of our business over the last several years, which is really helpful. Um, and then slowly, we started seeing retail come back. Now I think retail is very strong for, for almost everyone out there right now, but we certainly saw it coming back in certain pockets quicker uh, as some were managing the, the virus better than others in different locations. The industry was really predicting, and we all hope this will be true, but I think we're actually seeing it happen where people are spending more time at home and they're looking for a refresh. Um, I can personally relate to this. My wife and I just 
did the same thing at our house. We updated our outdoor space where we spend a lot of time right now. There's more discretionary income that's not being spent taking vacation or enjoying fine dining or that expensive gym membership. <laughs> um, you know, I think so. Those are things we all talked about early on, and we were kind of yes. waiting to see if that happened. And I think we're absolutely seeing that happen. Uh, across the whole country, which is really, really great to see. Well, it, it is great to see, and it and it seems as if the the home industry could well be poised for some some dramatic, long lasting growth. And and I'm wondering if that has you thinking about expanding and and growing your business and and what that would look like for you. What you'd where you'd where you'd want to build it out and, and where do you want to grow? Absolutely. We're always looking at that and looking at competition and where we think we have opportunities. You know, I think right now we're seeing a big increase in orders because we're still able to ship in four weeks or less, where many of our competitors aren't able to digest uh, incoming business like we've been able to to address due to the the things we talked about earlier. So I think we're gaining a, a lot of new business already from that, and we're creating a really, really strong experience at Chattic to where I think long term uh, we'll maintain that business. Uh, when a lot of others in the industry sort of paused and started looking at conserving cash, uh, we certainly did some of that, but we were also able to really push forward on some of the initiatives that we felt uh, would put us in a really strong position long term. And so we never stopped on those. And that's from operations to sales to marketing. Uh, so we've, we've kept the, the, the pedal down, so to speak, on all of those initiatives. And I think it's put us in a really good position for, for growth going forward. That's interesting. So, so what were some of the initiatives that, that you've been working on that you've been able to, to move forward on? Because you're, you're, you're right. So often it's times like these that, that companies that keep going and, and keep pushing and innovating and, uh, and moving forward are the ones that come out of these situations much, much stronger. So what, what, were you, what were you working on? What have you been doing? Yeah. So one of the big ones that we just launched last week, we were actually working on uh, pre-COVID. Uh, it's a, a tool called Real-Time Pricing Tool, and it's basically an online pricing and configuration tool, uh, again, that we've been working on for, for months now. I think uh, with the situation that we're dealing with today, it's going to be a game changer for us and relevant now more than ever. So now our designers and retailers can work at night. They can work on the weekends. With this tool, they can create quotes and send orders in no matter you know what uh, when they're working well so getting back to my earlier question around how you grow this business right now in this in this time where as you said earlier people are so focused on home they've eliminated so many unrelated expenses in their life they are buying new homes aggressively throughout the country, it, it certainly seems right now. Mortgage rates have never been lower. What, is a, what does a furniture company like yours do to take advantage of this time? Do you make an acquisition? Do you, do you partner with another company? Do you, how, do you, how do you expand and maximize the opportunity that, that perhaps a, a multi-year growth cycle like we might be in with the home industry 
allows you to do? You know, we've been looking at all the different different ways we can solve some of the most pressing problems for designers and our retailers that could make them more productive and have time to be more creative. And it sounds simple, but the first thing that we did on the operational side was get our on-time percentage above 95%. And we've maintained uh, an average of 96% over the last several years, which is really high for the industry. Probably the average in the high end is mid 80s. But we know that designers need a reliable partner. So that's really, really important to us. And then the second thing we've been focused on is to have the best lead times in the industry for made to order product. And for two years now, our lead times are as little as three weeks on upholstery and just four to six weeks on case goods. So when we look at growth, we're not uh, really focused on um, trying to add new product categories or trying to uh, acquire another business. Right now, we're really focused on uh, what can we add to become a better partner, which in turn will grow our business with our current customers, as well as new ones out there that could appreciate uh, the level of support that we have to offer that we really think is a differentiator for us in the industry. The other day I was, I was chatting with, with the team from Furnitureland South, and one of the things that we were talking about was the, the dreaded conversation around RH and, and, and customers, because RH has done such a, a, an effective job of marketing, customers often think that they're getting a certain quality level of upholstery that they come to discover upon delivery isn't, isn't really the case. And, and often, not always, but often they're, they're disappointed and they could have gotten something much better from you, for example, um, but they, they just didn't know you as well as they seem to know that, that brand. And I'm always curious what the furniture industry, particularly people that are, are making really good quality product, can, can do to better get the word out there about buying what, what, what some people refer to as sort of buying real furniture versus, versus that. What's your what's your thought? I think you've touched on a, a really good point. And Restoration Hardware uh, RH, I guess you should say, is is has done a fabulous job marketing themselves and creating uh, you know a, a different experience with the product that they that they offer and getting in front of the customers. I think the industry historically has relied on all of our accounts to do all of the legwork. And for us, like Chaddock, being the manufacturer, to manufacture great product. And I think that's changed a little bit and something that we're um, trying to help our customers in a bigger way than we have in the past with better assets, better educational videos, um, tours of our workroom, bringing them in so that they can understand all of the differences of our product and their product. Um, Great photography to back that up about our quality level versus XYZ competitors. Um, and so I think it's it's still an opportunity for us and for the rest of the industry to uh, promote the level of quality that we are putting out and how it's a great value through our customers versus some of these other uh, firms like rest, uh, RH. 
I, I don't know of many custom upholstery companies that that can reliably say that they they've got a, a four week lead time as as consistently as as you do, and that's uh, that that would seem a, a strong competitive advantage. Do you get the sense that your competitors are are getting there, or I mean, I, I'm assuming as as you were saying during this sort of compressed COVID time, everyone is just wanting. With more urgency, as you say, this this sort of Amazon-like immediacy is the whole industry getting there, or or do yeah, you, I think everybody you have it would to like yourself for for a time. Yeah, I think everybody in the industry would like to get there, but I think there's a lot of challenges just to ramp up operationally to get to where uh, you're able to ship quicker lead times, especially now where some of our competitors have actually pushed those lead times out. I'm hearing upholstery companies are backed out eight to 10 weeks, some 10 to 12. So now we're actually still, even with our increase in orders, are able to meet a four-week lead time. Uh, We also have a quick ship program, which it's basically all of our uh, top-selling upholstered chairs and sofas. Uh, It includes some dining chairs, and it includes a headboard program that's fully upholstered that we're guaranteeing in a three-week turnaround. And we have over 250 fabrics in this program, or we'll use, uh, we'll ship COM on these, these products in as little as three weeks. Um, the average for that program actually is running about two and a half weeks. So we're actually beating that three week delivery on this quick ship program. So I think there's, um, it's a huge competitive advantage for us, but it's also a very big challenge to try to get to where we are. And then when you have increase in orders to be able to maintain uh, and execute those lead times uh, and not just let those fall back. Be- before, I, before I let you go, and I, and I really appreciate your time, uh, so you're going to be seeing many people, it sounds like, in real life with High Point starting up. How are you, how are you feeling? How are you preparing for that? What's your, what's your sense of what market is, is going to, to be like? Yeah, it's a great question and still one of the unknowns out there, I think. Uh, yes. <laughs> but we're, we're preparing the same way that we have in the past for the most part. Um, okay. You know, even before market, we've never participated at pre-market. And we had a lot of good customers reach out sharing that they would be in town for pre-market, but because of, of their sensitivity to being around groups of people, we're deciding not to come to market. So we did end up opening up pre-market for the first time. And we actually saw about 40 customers, which I think was really positive and um, certainly great for us. Um, the, the new market format has been extended to nine days. And then they've broken that into three-day segments where you know, basically the top half of the U.S. is able to attend the, the first three days. All regions are able to come the middle segment, and then the bottom half of the U.S. the last three days. Overall, we're anticipating lower attendance for sure. Uh, we've heard a lot uh, from a lot of our customers that they just aren't coming. Um, so we have to be creative, and we have to find ways to to bring market to them. You know, I think the good thing is that we've never, our business at least, has never been reliant or really limited to a biannual high point market model. And don't get me wrong, we love showing in High Point. We have a wonderful sure. showroom. Um, it's a great place to meet our customers, uh, share new product, and excite the industry about what we're doing. But with that being said, the challenges of 2020 have 
provided us at least even more opportunity to listen to customer requests and just respond by offering new solutions and and support for designers who rely on Chadic as a key partner. There's been a lot of conversation around this year-round high point market and and bringing people to to North Carolina on a more regular basis. Do you do you see that getting any meaningful traction? Is that is that desirable for your business? We support that Dennis in a big way because what we really? see okay. yeah, what we see is when we're able to get customers in not only to the showroom, but we always push to try to get them into Morganton, uh, which is about an hour and a half to two hours from High Point where our product is made. So they can see the product in person, educate them. It goes back to our conversation earlier, uh, educate them on how our product is made so that they can better sell our product when they're talking to their customers, the the end consumer. Um, So it really is important that we're just available for them when they can make it. Um, We will always have product in our showroom. At least that's the goal going forward. Um, So uh, we will encourage anybody, uh, any of our customers to come and experience High Point and we will have someone meet them um, at the showroom and give them a tour in Morganton if, uh, if, if we're able to. And so I think this market's going to be interesting, but we are just trying to, to offer a customized market experience that would include virtual tours with our sales team and myself and even our signature designer, Mark Sykes, who will be in town. Um, you know, we've invested in new cameras and gadgets that, that can aid in that experience, uh, have a little bit higher, higher quality uh, visuals. Um, we're also doing that uh, a 360-degree tour of the showroom so customers can really feel like they're here with us. Uh, so really, in other words, if attending market in person this year isn't a viable option, we completely understand. Uh, we're going to continue to offer the same level of service that we have for decades. <laughs> Andrew, I'm I'm so glad to hear that things are going well for you. And, and I really appreciate you making time to, to catch us up on, uh, on all you've been doing. Dennis, it was great talking to you and, and happy to catch up with you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, please visit us at businessofhome.com. If you'd like to share feedback or get in touch, email podcast at businessofhome.com. This show was produced by Fred Nicholas and Marina Felix. I'm Dennis Scully. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll see you next week.